Hey guys, just wanted to hop on real quick. In today's episode, I discuss the Banshees of Inisherin, give a mini review around that movie. There will be mild spoilers around the Banshees of Inisherin in this episode, so if you haven't yet seen the movie, or if you're looking forward to going and seeing it without any spoilers of any kind, make sure to skip past that part of the episode when it approaches, or tune in for the next upcoming episode. So consider this your spoiler warning ahead of time. You've been warned. Other than that, hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Kyle Duffy, and you're listening to Is a Recording, a podcast for passions. Episodes are available on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, and many more platforms like this. New to Is a Recording? Follow the podcast on Spotify so you never miss an episode. New uploads every Friday. I'm very excited about what I have in store for you today. I hope you all enjoy it. Let's get things started. Welcome to the show. My name is Kyle Duffy. If you're new here, welcome. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you haven't checked out the rest of my episodes, they're all available up on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, many more platforms like this. So wherever you get, wherever you get your podcast from, wherever you listen to your podcast, Make sure to give Is A Recording some love on those platforms and follow along for upcoming episodes. I've been away from the mic for a while. Um, anyone who is a regular listener to the show will know that I recently started a new internship with Midwest Radio. I was very excited about it at the time. Still am. I'm currently, I think, two, two and a half months into the internship. It's a total of five months. I'll be um, finishing up around 12th of February next year and it's going very well I'm learning a lot I'm working in the news sector of the news so far I'm getting a bit of different experiences with um, going out and recording interviews I also am working on a segment for Midwest themselves as a part of the program as well as well as that I have different you know zoom meetings I have with the course as a part of the course we have different lectures come on zoom and have these lectures over Zoom calls. If I say Zoom one more time, I'll buy you a pint. But overall, great so far, really enjoying it. And at this, I think I suppose this is what today's episode's about. I just wanted to get back on the mic um, for the podcast, especially the state I'm in now, which I'll get to in a minute. I am off sick currently uh, from Midwest I had a surgery not too long ago, I think a week and a half ago at this stage, on the 28th of October. It was planned, I knew it was coming up, and I actually informed Midwest before I started with them that I would have a surgery coming up in either late October or early November, Um, and I'll explain that in a bit, but I think I really just wanted to get on the mic today, record a small episode just around how my experience with with Midwest has been so far, what I've learned, what I've gathered, and um, how I feel about the program so far. I have been putting up on LinkedIn and you know Twitter that I am really enjoying myself, which is the truth. But I haven't gone into great detail about what I've learned, what I'm getting into, and I've had a couple of great experiences so far, a couple of um, not failures but hiccups that I've learned from as well and you need those as well you can't have all successes and expect um, everything to go your way all the time and expect everything to be perfect on the first take 
um, you need to fail at something to learn how to do it a bit better and learn how to do it properly so I've had those moments as well not too many thank god but a few so um, this is what this episode is about if you have any interest in radio getting into radio if you have an interest in podcasting um, please contact the um, podcast myself up on twitter um, uh, or leave a message on the episode up on anchor fm i always leave an option to leave a voice message on anything you have any questions or opinions on what i talk about on here so please get in contact if you have any questions or thoughts on anything i talk about in these episodes um for me radio was always the way i was going to go um especially once i kind of honed in on it after lockdown any of you who uh, listen to the podcast on a regular basis will know i've told the story a bunch of times that really once lockdown hit i decided to switch careers which was hard for me because i was one of those people who was really gung-ho on picking an avenue and just sticking to it and just picking a job and sticking it out even if I hated it which is such a weird way to look at life and a weird way to look at your career but I had done four years including a postgrad for social care and thought okay if I don't pursue this area enough and if I don't work in this area and give a real good go at it um for a couple of years that I'm wasting the time I had in college but you know education is education no matter what course you do where you get it and um, it'll always reflect well on you for whatever job interview you go for and it shows that you're coming from a different background you see things a bit differently and you have a different insight you could bring to a new area of work you're pursuing for instance you know I'm big on disability I have a disability myself so I kind of was drawn to social care because of that and you know I plan to bring my expertise of social care into my work in radio someday and whether that's to help someone out or um, give an insider's look to life with a disability or to relate someone and to get to hear people's stories as well which is a big thing you know that I'm interested in but overall making the switch to radio I've never regretted it and it's been a year and a half, two years now. I've done a lot of work with my local radio station, CRC in Mayo, and they've helped me immensely. I've made some great friends, some great colleagues, learned a lot there. And this job in Midwest, I think it's just personified and really just lit my eyes up to what work life in radio looks like and the nine to five radio job with crc it wasn't really a nine to five it was a contributor role so it was really on my own time and it was a small part of my day it was a big part of my week but once i was in there i wasn't in there for three or four hours at a time i was in there for maybe max an hour uh, half an hour at the most and i was talking about things that i was comfortable talking about that i would like to say that I know a lot about and that I um, would be happy talking about, passionate talking about it. But um, in Midwest, I've learned to talk about things and learned to research things that I wouldn't be passionate for, but 
these are stories that need to be told and that would interest the clientele, clientele, the listeners anyway. And the news sector was one area that I hadn't pursued, I hadn't worked in at all in CRC FM. So that's what I was thrown into straight away in Midwest. And I'm glad I was because I was interested to see how much goes into it. You know, I think there's a misconception for people who aren't in the industry of radio and they think, you know, it's as easy as coming in and reading out a script and that's them done for the day. I maybe had a tiny bit of that going into Midwest. Not a whole lot because I would see what goes into um, producing a show with my time um, with CRCFM. I would produce a show I think I produced one or two shows while I was there um, and helped produce sports segments and stuff like that and got to host one or two shows on the Saturday Sports with CRCFM. So I would have had an insider's look and an insight into the effort it does take to put shows together, to put content together um, that is radio-worthy and on-air-worthy, um, but never for news. So... The big thing I was self-conscious about was my voice, making it a bit more prof- professional, um, not tripping up over my words, as I maybe do sometimes on the podcast, and also making sure the tone is right. You know, um, with the news, you need to be pro- professional, but you also need to sound bright, which was what I was told, you know, you have to make your voice bright and energetic, but also serious because you know, you're not talking about nice things most of the time. You're talking about maybe there's um, missing people, there's um, maybe deaths sometimes. Um, there's also, you know, crime, theft, all this kind of serious stuff on the news, car accidents, you know, like incidents like that where you need to have a serious tone but you need to make sure that you're not monotone either. And for me, this was kind of a struggle at the start. I think I'm kind of getting into it. Um, I've had a couple of experiences on air where I've nailed it. I've other experiences where I just came across too flat. And I'm trying to get that happy medium and get that um, even ground where I sound professional, but not like I'm bored or um that i sound you know natural that i that i that i'm just talking a story i'm just saying it instead of reading it because i think a lot of people can tell the difference you know when someone's reading something versus when someone's just saying it and almost having a conversation with the listener i think that's what i'm trying to do and that's i'm trying to be as good as i can be but i'm also trying to um take it easy on myself as well Like many people, I think I tend to be my harshest critic. And when I'm learning stuff and when I have kind of taken on critiques and criticism in Midwest by my new colleagues, I've tried to make sure I don't take it personally because, you know, there is something about me that I'm wired that way that I like, okay, well, like there's something wrong with you. You need to fix this and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I don't take critiques I take them too seriously, that's what I'm trying to say, but overall I've been just trying to learn as I go, not be too hard on myself, and if I do mess up, which I have, I've kind of just said, okay, well listen, that moment's gone, 
You can't get it back. It was a hiccup. It was a bump in the road. Learn from it. And like I mentioned, I've had on-air readouts. Most of them have gone great. You know, I've gotten everything out clearly. Um, and the biggest critique is just to work on my tone so I don't sound like I'm reading something and to make sure that I'm bright and energetic so that I don't sound like that I'm bored to death. Um, but there was one day there I did a readout for the Lunchtime News and for the first time on air, because most times on air, like in CRC, I have nothing in front of me. And even if I trip up, I don't trip up that bad. I'll be like, oh, okay, sorry, let's move on. Whereas this time I was really like, I was like a deer caught in the headlights. And I think it's because I had a script in front of me, because it's structured, because it's a news and I can't be myself fully I have to be like this professional I have to read it out and there's no kind of room to be like wiggle room to be like oh well I messed up here we go and like you have to just like you mess up you just continue on and I was halfway through the readout and I messed up recovered then messed up again and then I just lost the rag of myself and I was just a uh machine and (laughs) I was just saying uh 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 uh," you know that kind of way and finished it off and I got a pep talk afterwards by one or two of my colleagues and it just really helped and you know one thing that was said to me was listen everyone messes up everyone has that moment forget about it it's done don't focus on it now you can't do anything about it what you can do is learn from it and I did learn from it you know I got critiques I've got I got advice in that moment I didn't get critiques, I didn't get, you know, shamed about it by anyone, which is great. You know, the environment in Midwest has been so good for my development, my professional development, and for my um for my skills. You know, it's tough going into a station like Midwest, you know, the reputation speaks for itself and the listenership is so high there and you know, it's a very valued part of the community in Ballyhonas and Casabar and Balna. And people highly rate that show and highly rate the shows on Midwest and the station as a whole. And they should because it's a very well put together organization. Everything is so well run there. And the professionals and the colleagues that I've met so far, I've learned a lot from them. And I've kind of been inspired by them so far as to who I want to be as a broadcast journalist and what to do and where to go and who to speak to and how to make connections and how to be a better presenter, how to be a better researcher. And I'm trying to just take everything in as I go, not to not to put too much pressure on myself to say, okay, I need to hit this landmark, I need to hit this marker by this date. And you know, I've had a plenty of conversations with people in the Midwest, whether it's over a pint or whether it's in the office, and I've got great pieces of advice. And like, you know, after that hiccup on air, I was told, you know, listen, in those moments you need to learn how to just roll with the punches and say okay I messed up let's just move on to the next sentence the next word and just get it over with because most times when you mess up you're able to you're able to recover really quick but if you let it capture you if you become a deer in the headlights it's very hard to get out of it and that's when it becomes a problem um and thank god I haven't any had any of those incidents since you know I've done pre-recorded bits since that on-air bits and I've been sound, you know, 
and I'm proud of how I kind of handled that moment. Even though I didn't need a pep talk, I kind of had my own pep talk in my head. But I always am able to move on from something like that when I hear it from someone else. When I get that piece of advice from someone else that I might be saying to myself in my own head, it always helps me move on when I hear it from someone else. Because then I think, well, if they're not worrying about it, and if they're not making it a big deal, why am I? So let's move on, learn from it, get better, forget about it. Another thing I was told, you know, um, by one of the people in Midwest, one of my colleagues, is that it's going to take a while to settle in. And it's going to take a while to learn the ropes. And, you know, a five-month internship is great, but it's not a year, it's not two years to settle in. You know, it's five months to kind of learn the ropes, kind of get acclimated with an office, new people, new environment, new standards, new overall environment to learn the basics of radio, to enhance my skills, to improve as a presenter, as a production, um, not production manager, but as uh, improve in production, improve in researching, improve in all areas of, you know, what you need to know in radio. And he said, you know, listen, it's going to take you at least five months to get settled in and learn the ropes and, you know, feel like you're doing a good job there. So don't feel too bad or don't be too tough on yourself you know if february comes next year and you feel like you didn't get anything done because you are getting stuff done and honestly that was the best piece of advice and the best thing that he could have said to me in that moment because throughout me starting in midwest and since i started I've always had this thing at the back of my mind. Am I doing enough? Am I pushing myself enough? Am I um, taking the initiative? And although I am, you know, I know I am. I'm making sure that I'm not lying idle, that I'm not skating by, that I'm making sure that I, you know, I'm working on things in my downtime. But there's also the element of knowing when not to push yourself to do something because you're not ready for it and he said that's important too you know he mentioned you know listen you need to make sure that you try things but at your own pace there's no point in being hurled into something and doing something you're not ready for and not getting a good product at all um which was something that really stuck with me and i'm going to make sure sticks with me because I want to make sure whatever I do with Midwest, you know, I'm going to be able to put on my CV and, you know, not everything I do, I'm going to be, not everything that I do in Midwest, you know, on air or off air or in terms of like interviews or box pops, you know, they're not all going to be winners, but for the most part, I want to be proud of, you know, like the interviews I do and the on air readouts that I do. And I want to be able to say, okay, listen, whatever job I go for next or wherever I end up next, you know, I, I can, I, I'm going to be able to say, okay, here's on my CV, here's what I did in Midwest Radio, here's what I achieved, here's what I got to experience and have like an array of experiences that make me a better broadcaster. And I feel like that has happened already, you know. Like I said, I've had a bunch of experiences, exciting experiences so far. Um, as for on-air readouts, I've got, I think, the hang of things now. I, I know what to look for i know what to do i know 
when to take my breaths. I know how to sound, how I'm supposed to sound. And now that I've had my first hiccup, my first bump in the road, I know how to handle that as well. And I'm glad that happened early because there's nothing worse than having everything go perfectly for so long. And then when something out of the ordinary happens or you get caught in the headlights and you don't know what to do, it makes it even worse because you need to be able to handle those moments and you're more well equipped to handle those moments when they pop up, pop up again because you've already gone through the experience. Um, but one of the biggest things I think I'm happy with and um, proud of was I got to go to the premiere of The Banshees of Inisherin in Mayo Movie World not too long ago uh, with my colleagues and I got to bring Leanne along as well um, because I got a plus one and I actually got to review that on air on the Tommy Marin show um, the next week, um, I think on the Monday or the Tuesday. And after I reviewed it, John Kenny, who stars in the movie, who was um, part of the comedy duo The, the Unbelievables with Pat Short, so funny, um, he was on air after me talking about the movie as well. Um, I had a big, long review ready for on air and... I thought, okay, you know, this is my bread and butter. You know, I'm used to talking for half an hour about movies on CFM. Eight or nine minutes I can do. But really, you know, the movie was shot in Ackle, as anyone who's seen the trailers will know or seen the movie will know. And I decided, you know, for the sake of the show, the sake of the lineup, you know, once I knew uh, John Kenny was on after me, I thought, okay, this review doesn't need to be an in and out in-depth look at the acting about the um cinematography about you know the meaning of the movie you have a bona fide star in john kenny and a well-known name an actor who was in the movie coming on in a few minutes after my review he's the guy people are going to want to hear talk about the movie in depth because he's going to know so much more than i am like i'm a reviewer i'm only taking talking about what i took from the movie from my one viewing whereas he was on set the whole time he can tell you about the atmosphere about the nerves on set about the scenery at ackle and um, when shooting the movie and um, everything that went into it and the meaning behind it and what they were going for so i decided to you know just talk about how the movie came across to me in terms of what it means in terms of what it meant and how I rated it, you know, like for me, it was a five out of five star movie. I love um, Martin McDonough's work in Bruges. It's such a great movie. And the chemistry was there on screen again in this movie, The Banshees of Inisherin, between um, Colin Farrell and uh, Brennan Gleeson. And, you know, there was so many comparisons to The Field as well, you know, um, which is a movie that I would have grown up with as well. Um, anyone who had grown up with that movie and has seen the branches of Inisherin, and let me know if you see the similarities as well. But the col- uh, the character of Colm, I can kind of see the Bull McCabe in Colm, and you can kind of see um, the character of the bird in Barry Keown's character. Overall, my review on Midwest, I just kind of talked about the fact that in terms of the cinematography, it was a love letter to Ackle Island. Every scene, every shot was so pristine. 
And when you have a backdrop like the lovely beaches of Ackle or you know the sea line or the shoreline and the lovely uh, the pristine looking cliffs and the countryside you remember every scene because the backdrop is almost like a secondary character that is reminding you of what's happening in that scene there's one particular scene at a lake and it's a conversation between Barry Keown's character and Kerry Condon's character by the way Kerry Condon was so good in this movie she plays Siobhan I think she was you know a moral backbone and such a great presence in the movie you know she was a very important person to Porrick in the movie you know the brother sister bond was very strong because they kind of lost their parents but overall I think that scene stands out to me because it's so beautiful the lake is so pristine looking and so memorable and even though the scene itself it is a bit of a sad scene it does represent you know some rejection for Barry Keown's character in the movie but overall you remember these scenes because of the backdrop because the beauty of the island and what it represents in the movie overall Banshee's Vinish Heron again it is a big PR moment for Ackle as um, a location in the west of Ireland and it's great to see a big movie shot in the west of Ireland like this and for it to get a 13 minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival I can't say Venice Film Festival the Venice Festival I'll just call it um, for it to get a 13 minute standing ovation and for Martin McDonough to be to win wet, Jesus Christ you can tell I'm not on the mic and I haven't been on the mic for a while because I'm mixing up my letters and my words. For Martin McDonough to win Best Director and for Colin Farrell to win Best Actor, you know, that just speaks volumes. And the fact that in press conferences and press junkets and in promotion for this movie, you had Colin Farrell, you had Brendan Gleeson, you had Barry Cohn and Kerry Condon talking about how lovely the island was and how beautiful an experience it was you know they all stayed down there while shooting the movie i think it was shot over 28 days there's a pub in the movie that they all go to and they actually made that pub they actually constructed that pub for the movie so i think a lot of people once they realize that they'll be um canceling their trips to Ackle. maybe they after seeing this movie you know some people some people might want to go down just to visit that pub but um even colin farrell didn't know that the pub had gone away and he wanted to bring his kids to go see it and it, it, it had disappeared you know they had taken it down but um overall that movie i think it represents irish people very well there's one criticism i've seen of the movie itself and i just kind of want to get into this because i've gone so long without talking about the banshees of Sharon on this podcast and i want to just talk about it now it's set during the 1920s during the civil war and obviously the island isn't a part of that you know it's happening on the mainland and every now and then you'll hear gunfire you'll see smoke coming from far away and that's obviously you know um the civil war happening you know from a distance and at some stages you know different characters acknowledge the civil war and 
uh, there's not a lot of talk about it. There's not long, drawn-out conversations. There's not political conversations happening around the Civil War. And there's one character, not one character, there's one line that Porrick, Colin Farrell's character, says, I think it's something on the, along the lines of, well, I hope you get what you're fighting for, or I, um, I hope it's worth the fight, or something like that. And obviously, you know, a lot of people were upset on the fact that like you know the civil war is happening in this movie but it's not being paid attention to it's in the background it's in the backdrop it's not a main plot point and for that people are kind of slating banshees of Sharon because it's not paying respect to the civil war i don't know if people are saying that it's minimalizing the civil war but a lot of people were upset that you know the civil war is happening in this movie but it's not in the forefront in the background and it's, it was a big part of our history but my kind of rebuttal to that would be you know my martin mcdonough's story here it's about a friendship breaking up about one character wanting to move on from this friendship because they want to make sure their legacy lasts and they want to make sure that they leave something behind that they'll be remembered for um and I think that is represented in Colm, um, Brennan Gleeson's character, um, who is working on a song, who um, wants to make sure that they leave something behind. And the one thing they plan to leave behind is um, a song that he uh, that he writes um, and plays on his violin. Porrick's character doesn't want things to change. He is happy with routine, and it's because he's used to it. He has something that is constant in his life and that's his friendship with Colm that's his relationship with his sister and once those deteriorate he has nothing left and he feels lost and you know in the movie Porik and uh, Siobhan's characters their parents are dead and obviously being brother and sister this brings them closer together and they value this relationship but as well as that I think you know Colm and Porrick's friendship, I think Porrick treats that as maybe, you know, like a father figure friendship because Brendan Gleeson is older than Colin Farrell and they have this friendship and it's something that he can rely on. Uh, it's a support that he can rely on and it's not there anymore and this frustrates him and he does, he doesn't understand why it's happening and it's, you know, for Porrick, I think it's, things that are happening that are out of his control that he can't win back that he can't control that he can't um stop from happening and it's making him feel like he has no control over his life either and you might be saying Kyle where is this going where does the civil war element tie into this I think this is my opinion um civil war acts as a omen as a a growing tension in the background because for most of the movie we get a few shits and giggles we get a few laughs out of the interactions between Colm and Porek but you know you have one person like I said Colm who's ending the friendship and is trying to do it in a civil manner is trying to do it in a way to not hurt Porek's feelings Porek on the other hand isn't taking this he's not understanding and he's not taking it seriously and that builds attention. And in between these interactions, we get 
the bomb fire, the gunshots on the mainland. And for me anyway, the gunfights, the um, the gunfire on the mainland from the Civil War, that is representing the building tension between Porrick and Colum and the inevitable fight, the inevitable, uh, the inevitable breakdown of their friendship and what would happen at the climax of the movie. So in that way, that's how the Civil War is seen. That's how the Civil War is used in this movie. It's not used as a means to um, make any political statement. It's not used in conversations that much during the movie. Like I mentioned, there's no long outdrawn conversations in the pub. You know, many of these people on the island, they're not involved in the fight. So they have nothing to say about it. They're all country folk. And this is happening in the cities on the mainland. So they are just kind of not involved. They're off in their own little world. And I think you know, a lot of people maybe were upset that, you know, the Civil War was in the movie, but it wasn't the movie. It wasn't a Civil War movie. And maybe we're due for a um Civil War movie, an Irish Civil War movie. Maybe we're overdue for one, but when you look at Martin McDonough's category of movies, you know, he does dark tones very well. And this movie is full of dark themes, you know, um, the representation of death, um, the looming presence of conflict, and there's a lot of dark jokes in it, dark humor, and there's a lot of serious things in this movie. So I don't think having the Civil War be in it and being an ever-present image and um, storyline would have helped things at all. I don't know if it would have hurt the movie, but for the script that was involved, the Civil War didn't need to be a present image, a, pre- a, pre- a present uh, backstory, because this is just literally about two friends whose friendship has ended and one is happy because of it because they're trying to move on and do something with their life they're trying to like I said leave a legacy and one is distraught about it because everything is changing and he he doesn't understand why and he doesn't understand how to stop it and one thing as well I like in this movie is as men as creatures to be honest men we want to fix things when we see something wrong. If there's a problem, we want a solution. And if there's no solution, that's when we get angry. And that's when we act out. And Porik in this movie, he acts out after he realizes there's nothing he can do to persuade Colm that you know their friendship is worth fighting for and that they should be friends again. He tries different things, you know, he tries to talk him out of it, he tries to angle his way in in different um, scenarios and different ways and situations. But when he realises that, you know, Colm has made up his mind, he'll exist in the village with Porek, but he's just not going to talk to him anymore. And he's not going to uh, be his friend anymore. That's when um, Porek starts to act out and um, try and get vengeful and try and get... Um, Colm to notice what um, a big deal it is for him but overall to downgrade this movie because 
it doesn't rotate and focus solely on the Civil War. It's not really giving the movie a chance. It's kind of writing it off for the wrong reasons. Because in my opinion, this movie, it didn't need to be a Civil War focused, centered movie. In my opinion, anyway, I thought it was the per- I thought it was perfect the way it was. Um, let me know if you've seen the Banshees of Inishair and what your opinion of it was. I'm going to finish up my review of this movie with how I finished up my review on Midwest. A lot of people would have grown up with Columbini. Uh, the Van, The Commitments, The Snapper, one of my favourite Irish movies of all time. Some people would have grown up with The Field. Um... There's loads of movies we can look back on with nostalgia. Irish movies that did Ireland proud. And, you know, we can look back and laugh. We can watch them over and over again. Never get tired of them. And I honestly think that Banshees of Inisherin will go down as one of the best Irish movies ever made. It is beautifully dark at times. You have great, well-known actors in there like Colin Farrell um Brennan Gleeson you have the comedy duo of Pat Short and John Kenny great standout performances as uh, supporting roles from Kerry Condon and Barry Keown Barry Keown just proving that he has no chill at all like he'll go in and like he'll steal scenes in this movie he provided plenty of the laughs and as well as that plenty of the somber sad moments as well the acting in this movie was excellent. The chemistry was there. Like I mentioned, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson are used to um, acting together um, on screen in a Martin McDonough movie. You know, in Bruges was such a great movie as well. And if you haven't seen that, I would recommend checking it out. And if this movie was the first Martin McDonough movie you've seen, then maybe going back and watching in Bruges will give you a better idea of what kind of tones and themes he goes for in his movies and why the Irish Civil War wasn't the main focus in Banshees of Inisherin. There's not a bad thing I can say about this movie. I do think it will be one of those movies we look on and look back on in 10 years and say that was a beautifully made movie. Scenery was beautiful. It was a love letter to Ackle and hopefully in 10 years time we can look back and say, okay, that was the turning point for the West of Ireland. That was the movie that got us all of this publicity and brought even more movies to the West of Ireland because it is a beautiful place. Been to Ackle many times myself for family holidays and the scenery alone, you know, and capturing that on film, it's next to none. So really, there was no downside to Banshee's been sharing for me. Great acting, great chemistry on screen, great story. In terms of how it ended, I'm not going to give anything away, but there's closure, but not enough closure in my opinion. You know, they could almost make a second movie out of what happens um, at the end of this movie. So, you know, continuation. Overall, like the van, like the snapper, like the commitments, like the field. Like I said, I think, you know, down the line, 10 years from now, there'll be people who say, you know, I grew up watching that movie i grew up with banshees of inner it's such a beautiful looking movie and again hopefully it's the start of something special in terms of big movies coming to the west of ireland to be shot here because 
one thing that was said at the premiere of the movie was movies being shot in locations like these are the biggest tourist attraction for locations to have a movie premiere movie a big movie shot in the west of ireland it's going to bring so much to this part of ireland and it's going to raise the profile of the country of this part of the country and it can only do good for the community involved um at the premiere you know it got almost like a five minute ovation there was plenty of speeches made and really it's something that we should be proud of and i know there's going to be people who are going to nitpick and find something wrong with 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 everything there's always some people who are just aren't happy with a the movie they always want something else something better but this movie i don't think was ever meant to be anything about the civil war it's in the background it's used as a backdrop for the tension that is building in the relationship between Colum and Porrick and almost there as an omen as to how their relationship is going to end up. So, you know, take from that what you will. That's my own opinion of it. But again, if you've seen this movie, let me know what you think of it up on Anchor FM, Spotify and Twitter. Um, let me know up on Twitter if you've seen the movie and what your thoughts were. I'd love to know. Wow, I really got carried away with that review there now. <laughs> but yeah, that was probably the biggest event, the biggest thing I've done with Midwest so far. And, you know, to go to a premiere, to go to an event and to represent Midwest was great. And it was a great privilege as well. Um, and to be around other like-minded people, you know, other uh, journalists um, in the same field. It was great to build up connections as well. Overall, I'm really enjoying this stint with Midwest. I'm not putting pressure on myself with anything. I'm just enjoying the experience. I'm learning from it. I'm making sure that um, I'm taking it all in as it comes. Now, on to why I'm not in Midwest today. I'm recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. And currently, I'm sitting here with a brace on my arm in a sling. Because I had surgery recently and just going into the surgery, I mentioned it briefly earlier on. I started Midwest and we had an initial meeting, you know, just to meet each other and, you know, scope out what the placement was going to be like, what I was going to learn and what I wanted to learn. And, you know, just to get the get the ins and outs of it, because the course I'm on is a part of the Learning Waves Journalism Graduate course and you get to do five months placement with a radio station of your choice. And this is the first time Midwest are taking part in this. So it's a great initiative. Other radio stations include um, Tip FM, as well as iRadio and Off The Ball. You know, so great, um, great stations, great experience, uh, great exposure for the people involved and taking part like myself and other people on the course. And great exposure for the radio stations who are taking the students on. Um, but in that first initial meeting, I said, you know, listen, there's a couple of things I booked, a couple of things that are organized that I can't get out of, that I will need time off for. And one of those was a surgery. I knew that I was going to have this surgery um, around early November, late October. And 
This surgery was a wrist fusion. I had it on the 28th of October. Um, and, you know, I'd said to them initially, you know, I might need one or two weeks off. Um, totally downplaying it. And in my mind, I wanted to downplay it because I hadn't really processed that I was going for the surgery. This surgery, I didn't need it. I wanted it. Anyone who's listened to this um, show before, anyone who listens to the podcast will know that I have a disability. I have partial paralysis on my left side. Um, so I don't have the use of my left hand too much. It's minimal um, at best. I wouldn't be able to grip and release things. I wouldn't be able to move my fingers the way I would on my right hand. I have strength in my le- uh, left hand. I can, you know, grip a door handle, but I can't release it. I can't rotate my wrist around. I can't lift weights. Um, I can't carry things with my left hand. So most times it would be left idle. Um, because of that, my hand, my left hand is compared to my right, very atrophied, um, and the um, muscles would be very underdeveloped compared to my right hand. I am right-handed anyway. Naturally, I'm a right-handed person, so that worked out well. You know, I didn't have to learn how to do things with my right hand. It was natural to me. I wanted to do the surgery because, you know, I'm getting older. I'm 29 now. Um, Jesus Christ, I'm 29. Um Sorry, I was just gone into a depressive state there about being 29. Um, Yeah, I'm 29 now and I'm kind of looking towards the future. You know, like things are going great with Leanne. We're getting married next year. We're um, in a great place. And, you know, there's things on the line I want to be able to do that, you know, I mightn't be able to do if I have a hand that isn't working as well. Um. Now, it's not to say that this surgery is going to make me have 100% mobility in my left hand. I didn't go in thinking that, and I wasn't that naive. The way my hand was before the surgery, um, if I can give you kind of a mental image, is my left hand, because it's not being used, the muscles are very tight and it's very atrophied, and my left hand would be in a fist most of the time. And it would be curled up almost downward and like facing into my into my forearm. And because it's like that constantly, the um, tendons are very tight and my fingers are very tight. So from a young age, I used to have to go to physio and they would tell me, listen, whenever you can, always just kind of make it a habit to grip your hand clasp your hands together and just stretch stretch your left hand out as much as you can and make sure that it's getting regular stretching because to be honest I can't do it any other way um as well as that I used to wear and I up until the surgery I would have been wearing hand splints during the day I tried out night splints as well but um to give my hand a stretch but it was just uncomfortable and most times those hand splints are either very soft and they would slip off in the night or they'd be super hard and they're made of weird materials that would be very uncomfortable on my skin so the only thing i could do was wear hand splints during the day and those hand splints were very routine and they'd be hand splints you know that maybe basketballers basketball players um, sports players i mean like you know um, athletes would use to make sure that their wrist was out straight and they'd be getting a stretch 
Um, and that was grand for me. And to be honest, I've learned to live my life with one hand. I'm, um, you know, if you met me, I'd be able to do most things that other people can do. I've just learned to do them a different way. And for the most part, most people don't notice my hand. Um, even without displaying, they don't notice my disability until I have to do something that requires two hands and I kind of disclose it or I'll do it a different way and I'll explain after the fact. <laughs> um, but overall, you know, I've gotten by. I've, I'm, I'm living a happy, comfortable life with just having the use of one hand. But there are certain things that I want to be able to do and I wanted to make sure that I was giving myself the best chance to do those things. One thing, obviously, is having kids. I want to be able to look after my kids the way anyone would be able to. I want to be able to hold my kids um, with two hands and not worry about, you know, um, dropping my kids because my left hand can't hold that amount of weight or isn't strong enough or isn't in the right position. So what I actually got with the surgery was I got a wrist fusion, which is they put a plate into your wrist, obviously, and it fuses together with the bone. This brings the position of your hand from closed in and tight to straight out, like my right hand would be. Um, so that's one part of the surgery I got done. The other part was a tendon lengthening. So I got the tendons in my fingers all the way up my forearm lengthened to um, make sure that that kind of takes away some of the uh, spasticity. I can never say this word. Spasticity. I sound like I'm having a stroke. Yeah, it takes all of that away and it just loosens up your hand so you're able to um, do things with it. So my hand obviously be really tight. The tendons are going to be really tight because it's in that position constantly. The wrist fusion opens it up, makes it straight. Lengthening the tendons will make it a bit less slew, a bit less tight, sorry, and loosen it up so that when I am able to stretch out my hand or grip something, it makes it a bit easier to um, release and to open up my hand again. The other reason I wanted to get this done was, on the other side of things, aesthetics. To look normal. I wanted my hand, my left hand, to look like my right hand. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm not that self-conscious about my hand. Um, you can normally, when I wear, like I said, when I wear a splint, or even when I don't wear a splint, you know, there's not many people looking at it. No one's pointing and staring or coming up and asking, you know, what's wrong with you? Um, or, you know, having these 20 questions for me. I don't get that. But what I did want to get from the surgery was peace of mind that my left hand would look like my right hand. Part of the reason was that I wanted to go into my wedding day with the comfort knowing that I don't have to wear a splint today and my left hand will look like my right hand in the photos and it won't be something that I'll ever be self-conscious about again and to be honest it's a small battle to win it's a small thing to gain back and if I can ever gain mobility back in my hand you know I'm okay with that I've learned to make peace with that I've learned to adjust my life for that reality but um, if I can go through a small surgery and make sure that my left hand looks like my right hand aesthetically, I'm all for that. 
So that would that's what I've done. Um, the other reason as well. So there's aesthetics. Um, there's the possibility of doing things down the line that I want to be able to do with two hands. And as a part of that, now that I've kind of, kind of got the surgery done, I'm still in the cast. I'm going up on Friday, going into hospital Friday to get the stitches out to address the wound. And just kind of get an update around when I'll be able to go back to work. And how long more I'll be in a cast for and won't be able to drive. I'm actually going stir crazy in here. That's the other reason I'm doing the podcast today. Because I needed something to do. I needed to talk out my feelings. <laughs> um, so you're kind of my therapist for today. Anyone who listens to this. Um, but yeah. Part of the reason I wanted to do it as well. Was if I can get my hand straight my left hand straight and if i can get my fingers loose through this surgery that means i can go back to physio that means i can do things in physio i couldn't do before that means i can maybe possibly lift weights and do exercises that i wouldn't be able to do and that could possibly get me back on the road to getting some muscle back in my left arm so not only down the line this is obviously the ideal goal this might not happen at all true physio i might get three percent mobility back in my hand and to be honest anyone who's had an injury like this would tell you that's a miracle in itself but if i get any mobility back in my hand at all it'd be a win um and that's what i'm aiming for you know i i said i said to my surgeon you know like I'm under no illusions. I know I'm not going to be coming out of the surgery with two mobile hands and I'm going to be cured and (laughs) I'm going to walk away 100% better than I was before. Um, I know that if I want any mobility back, it's down to me to work for it. And I'm willing to work for it, you know. And this surgery came at a time in my life where I'm ready for it. You know, a couple of years ago, I, I, I would have college, I would not being the mindset to do this but I'm in the mindset to do this now and I'm glad I did it because you know Midwest were very good you know they said listen whatever you need whatever recovery time you need you take it you come back when you're ready and you come back the way you want to come back so really it all hangs on Friday that sounds so dramatic on Friday I will know what the next steps are (laughs) I'm trying not to be so dramatic. Leanne says I'm very dramatic sometimes, the way I phrase things. And I don't feel dramatic when I say them. I think it's just the way I phrase things. But yeah, um, on Friday, I will begin the stitches, out for, the stitches out for sure. I know that much. This is for certain. Things I know for certain are the stitches will be coming out. I will be getting this current cast taken off and I'll be uh, told about you know how the wound is healing. And I'll definitely be giving updates on when I should go back to work, when I can start thinking about that. It might be sooner rather than later, who knows. But either way, I'm going to get on to start doing things for my work um, the week a- the week after this, just to kind of get back into um, a progressive mode and get it back into um, production mode and start doing things that give me energy and make me feel productive. Because at the moment, you know, I went, I've got, I've gone from working five days a week, traveling for work to lying idle, doing nothing, not able to do anything. And that's what I have to do to heal. But um, it's 
kind of annoying when you're mentally ready to go back to work or back to normal life but physically you're not there yet so friday is the um day that i'll find out whereabouts i am with that so yeah that's the surgery that i got done um and it went well you know i was under for six hours um they didn't expect me to be under that long but um my surgeon was very good she's um probably one of the best surgeons uh, for this area of surgery in ireland um for spasticity i can never say it perfectly the first time spasticity even then i sound like a stroke victim spasticity i have to say it really fast to make it sound like it's right um she's one of the best surgeons around in ireland and she was very good she um was very informative you know i didn't have any questions leading up to it because i knew everything was that was going to happen um and she made me feel very comforted um so under anesthesia for six hours it felt like 20 minutes to me <laughs> went down um my family weren't allowed in um well before pre-op and i went down uh, i was talking to the nurse about tattoos and all that kind of jazz then they were like oh just take this oxygen mask did they and like normally they count you down i don't even remember them counting me down i was just heaving on this thing and then lights out woke up what i would consider 20 minutes later it, uh, i went in for the surgery around half 12 it was around quarter past six now and um, of course i didn't know that and woke up to a doctor telling me um oh the surgery went great we're gonna bring you down to the ward now and i was like okay cool who are you <laughs> um woke up in the ward then and um leanne was at my bed and so was my mom and the surgeon and was chatting away making jokes and the uh surgeon was telling me like okay everything went great we got everything most things done um they uh she pushed for time she wanted an extra hour because she uh wanted to get everything done and there were certain things that she thought she wouldn't get done that she did and like you know so she got the wrist fusion done the lengthening done and um they were going to lengthen out my thumb but like the they didn't need to do that and they might do that down the line but overall it was a very successful surgery um i was told that there was a little trouble getting my heart rate down um but overall um there was no big scares and to be honest i was high as a kite at that point so you could have told me that i murdered 50 people and i would have believed you and you know i was talking to my mom after that and leanne and making jokes and I was very proud of this joke that I made with the surgeon. You know, she was. Um, I was very aware of the jokes I was making. I don't know if anyone's been on, under under anesthesia, and you know they just forgotten everything they said. I for, I think I forgot two things I said. You know, I was told, "Oh, you said this," and I was like, "Okay, I'll have to believe you because I don't remember that." I remember this joke so vividly. You know, my surgeon was saying. Um, by the way, my surgeon's name is Grania Colgan. She is such a great surgeon. She was very good. Made me feel very at ease. And um, just great at what she does. Because uh, normally you'd feel, you know, with surgeons and with doctors, sometimes you feel a bit... They're just in to do a job. And they like when they're rushing, you feel like you don't know much about it. And they it feels like a cold interaction. And like, a, you know 
not a great interaction for you, you know, but um, she was very nice and very um, comforting. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, this joke, I have to say, I'm very proud of it. Uh, she was saying, oh, well, it was a long surgery, Kyle. It was a very difficult surgery now, but, you know, everything was done, dusted. And then, you know, she was stressing how big it was, you know. And apparently as well, I was the first, I'm the first person in Ireland to get this surgery in the area of spasticity. I got it right the first time. Um, I just kind of did my own little fist bump there because I got it right the first time. I'm the first person in Ireland to get that done for the area of spasticity. Oh, got it right two times in a row. So proud of myself. Um, but yeah, so that was fun thing to find out. But she was saying, oh, it was very stressful, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, we did this, we did that. You know, she was kind of going through the details. I'm high as a kite. I'm not taking anything in. <laughs> um, and I just said, Granya, 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 that's okay. That That's all great. But one question, and like, this kind of dropped off. And I was like, will I be able to walk again? And I got a great laugh from that. I was very happy, and that's all I cared about. You know, I was, in my own mind, I was at a stand-up gig I was in front of an audience of about a thousand people and just telling jokes. And that's where I was at with the anesthesia. Um, I stayed overnight in hospital that night. Normally hate staying overnight in hospitals, um, but high as a kite. So, you know, got there in the end. Um, I was told by my roommates like we're living together i was told by other patients in the ward when i was leaving that i was snoring like a hog um and yeah i believe that because i'm pretty big snorer now like i i don't like to think i am but leanne has actually taken videos and recorded me snoring and it sounds like you know someone's stabbing me in the windpipe um so they had to put up with that but you know my defense was kind of well, like listen I was on anesthesia, I was recovering from a big surgery, and also I kind of shamed and named people, I was like, well listen, that guy was snoring before I went to sleep, and so was he, and so was he, there was one fella who, like, I went to sleep at 8 o'clock and woke up at 11, then went back to sleep at 1 o'clock until about 6 o'clock, and between... 11 and 2 o'clock this guy was like snoring constantly so I was like that guy was snoring this guy was snoring um so I had a bit of fun with them when I was leaving but everyone in the ward was really nice there was one fellow who gave me a fist bump on the way out and I was like hope you recover well and you know there's great camaraderie in um hospital wards like that sometimes sometimes there isn't you know but um um it was great you know to be around um it was all men as well full full of men the ward was um, but uh, yeah, it was great to um, it was great to uh, be around people who were nice and weren't dicks, basically. Um, but yeah, they were kind of shaming me for my snoring, which Leanne does all the time, and they had plenty of rights to do that because I am a pretty bad snorer when it comes to it. But good night in the hospital. Um, was sore enough, and I had to sleep with my cast elevated. So again, I'm going to try and give you another mental image. So just imagine if you're sleeping and someone ties your hand up and it's just hanging there like that, like you're about to give them a high five. Um, so I basically looked like I had my hand out left for a high five all night. Um, and then we went home and it's all about the recovery now since then. 
um been on uh, tablets for that but um most of all the, the most uncomfortable thing is just getting sleep at night because the cast is so big and it's been hard to sleep so i toss and turn on my sleep have done for ages you know i can never lie still you know i'm always tossing and turning and i normally like to fall asleep on my right side but i can't because my cast is so big i can't move it so i have to elevate and i have to keep my hand elevated above my body while i sleep so i have like two pillows beside me and i just kind of keep them on the, that pillow and like every now and then i'll twist and turn but i always have to make sure that i keep the pillow um, keep the my hand on the pillow elevated whenever I do but overall um, the recovery is going well I'm again hopeful for Friday I'm not getting my hopes up too much because that's how you get let down basically um, and if I have no expectations I can't be let down that's what I'm going to tell myself uh, but hopefully <laughs> and then I and here I am making expectations hopefully they will tell me you know the recovery is going well um, they'll probably put a smaller cast on me to make me more, a bit more mobile. Because at the moment now, it's like I'm lugging around five pounds of cast on my arm. Uh, so hopefully it's a smaller cast. Hopefully the stitches come out well and that the wound is healing well. I'm antsy now to get back to work. I'm looking forward to getting back to work. But like I mentioned, plenty to smile about right now. In terms of my experience so far with Midwest Radio, um, I think the big highlights obviously have to be the Banshees of Inish Heron premiere, getting to see that movie, getting to review it on Midwest, have my say, and to kind of intro John Kenny onto the show, um, not interact with him per se, but to be talking about a movie that he's on and for him to be talking directly after me was great as well. Um, so I hope I was a good um, intro to him talking about that. Um, there was also one big thing I got to do, which was I got to go to Westport and do my first um, bit of Vox Pops, go around the town, interview local businesses about the upcoming Junior B uh, GEA final uh, between Westport and Malina. I also got to interview a few school children um, in Westport um, who are always great at you know, predicting scores and having their say on the sports side of things. And they were big on the Westport GEA, so it was great to hear from them as well. But I got to put together a whole package um, in terms of Vox Bops. I got to intro that, and I got to put together this piece uh, for the Friday um, news bulletin. And I had to send everything off individually, but I also went uh, back to the office after I got all this uh, audio and introed it and basically edited it together so I was proud of that I was proud of going out by myself and getting this done and to be honest there's worse things to go out and get people's opinions on there's other stuff you know that's got on this country that people um don't want to talk about you know like the um the refugee situation and the um direct provisions and also, you know, the whole situation with Ukraine, housing and stuff like that. Um, I had one experience um, with a colleague of mine in Midwest where we went out and just couldn't get anyone to talk. And, you know, you couldn't blame them because it's a it's a divisive issue and, you know, um, it's hard to talk about things um, when you feel frustrated and, you know, you don't want to come across 
the wrong way even though it is frustrating for you like you're obviously thinking about the ukrainians who are frustrated as well and it's a very hard situation to be in but overall i was happy that you know my first time doing it solo i was talking about a ga final in a town um they're very friendly you know westport are a great tourist town they set it, set themselves up properly you know they're a great town to visit and always very friendly so um, I got to do that and I was proud of that content that I put together and obviously I wasn't there live for that segment I was in surgery at the time but when I got back home I got to listen to it on the website and it sounded good how it came across live I was happy with that so you know I was really happy with where I'm at right now I'm very grateful for the opportunity that Learning Waves has given me on this course I'm learning a lot at Midwest you know it's a great station to be at obviously um great reputation and you know for good reason you know the rep the reputation precedes them i'm learning a lot from a lot of great people and building up some great contacts and i just want to really come on here today for the podcast and just kind of let you know where i am life-wise because when i did start this uh, program with midwest radio i did one episode in my first week on the friday and i listen back to it when I was editing and I just sounded exhausted I sounded disinterested and I remember how I felt doing that episode I felt oh I need to get something out I need to do something now I need to make sure I keep up with the content but I'm a firm believer in quality over quantity and I'd rather do that every time so you know the intros in my intro I say you know new episodes every Friday that mightn't be the case from now on um, I might have to do a new intro, <laughs> but um, overall, I'd rather put out quality episodes where I'm interested in what I'm talking about. I'm not worried about covering the latest things just because I have to, um, and I might end up talking more a bit more about my life rather than um, movies and TV. I still have that sprinkled in there because um, I'm very passionate about movie and TV, but um, I just said this episode would be great to come on just to let you know everything that's been going on with me the past couple of months and um, why I haven't been present with the podcast as of recently. Um, so again, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Let me know uh, if you've gone through any similar surgeries in the past. Um, as a part of my um, surgery and a part of my experience with surgery, I'd love to get in contact with people who have had the surgery as well and how it's worked out for them. Um, but overall, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Banshees of Inish Heron. If you're on um, a placement with a radio station if you're looking to get into radio or if you're in radio right now and you don't know where to go next you don't know what to hone in on i love to get um, a conversation going with you and, and i love to know where you're at with that side of your career and um, let me know what your thoughts are let reach out to me up on anchor fm spotify and twitter uh, i'd love to get in contact with you this is where I'm going to bring the episode to a close. I don't know when I'm going to be back with the next one. Um, I do have a few plans for podcasts coming up. If you're a big fan of Community, the show, you'll obviously know that a movie has been confirmed, I think for 2024. So I have a couple of episodes planned around the TV show Community because it is a TV show that I absolutely adore. Um, had a love-hate relationship with it at times, but... I have a couple episodes planned around um, the TV show and leading up to the movie, we'll be talking a lot about community on here on the podcast. So that's something I'm looking forward to recording 
And for these episodes, I'll be joined by a special guest to discuss the TV show community on the lead up to the movie release. So that's something to look out for if you're following the podcast. Again, I've said this countless times. If you listen to the podcast, I deeply appreciate it. It is a passion and a pet project of mine. I've been doing this for the past maybe two and a half years. I started podcasting before I actually started in radio. It was a way to bump up my CV, hone my skills for radio, and to show radio stations I was serious and had an ambition for being a presenter. But since then, it's become a regular thing for me. It's become something I love doing every week. Obviously, I can't do it as much as uh, I normally do right now with uh, my full-time attention on Midwest Radio, but... From time to time, I'll be on here on a less regular basis, but I'll try to be on for episodes um, talking about things I'm passionate for, including movies and TV, sports sometimes as well. Um, so if this show and this podcast entertains you in any way, please give it a follow up on Spotify, um, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, give it some love up there and make sure to stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Take care, guys. This brings the episode to a close. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to check out the rest of my catalogue available on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Anchor FM. Whatever podcast platform you listen to, make sure to give Is It Recording some love, give it a follow and share the episode with your friends. I'm very excited to be on this journey with the podcast and happy to have you along for the ride. New episodes are available every Friday, so make sure you never miss out. This has been Is It Recording with Kyle Duffy. Thanks for listening.